Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. God is good, and I was thinking about how good He is. You know, we take for granted so many things, even the blessings of living in this country. I was born in Jamaica. Our family moved here when I was four or five years old, and I didn't become a citizen of the United States until uh, 1987. So before that time, I was a legal resident. I had my green card, but not being a citizen of the United States had its drawbacks, including the inability to vote. But I remember how I felt the day I became a citizen. I felt like a different person. Instead of being left out of things, I was now included in things like voting. And instead of carrying my Jamaican passport, I had now a United States passport. Because I traveled a lot during that time, and every place I went, it seemed to take longer to go through immigration. But when I handed them my new American passport, I got through a lot quicker because membership has its privileges. My new citizenship gave me new privileges, and also a new set of instructions to follow. The old instructions were no longer applicable. I moved on. This is the case with you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. Because before someone becomes a citizen of God's kingdom, he is subject to a different kingdom. He is subject to a different set of instructions. And those instructions are called the law. But when that person places his or her faith in Jesus Christ, he's set free. Things change. He's now subject to God and his kingdom. And now we're covered by his grace and mercy. Jude's letter was written to a church as a warning to wake up and smell the heresy and realize that false teachers had infiltrated their church and they were taking people with them. See, up until this point, the letter has been about God's judgment. But now Jude makes a switch in his letter, and it begins with the words, But you, beloved, and that word beloved, agapetos, loved by God. That's the church. That's you. That's me. We're loved by God. We're under a different set of instructions. We've been transferred to a new kingdom. So let's find out what these instructions are. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words, Jude says. Remember the words. The older you get, you forget things. You don't remember things as much. I can't even remember the lyrics to my own songs half the time. But we're supposed to remember God's word. He writes here, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jude, remember, He contends that the church defend the faith that was handed down to him. How was it handed down? By the apostles. And that's handed down to us, and it's in the Bible. So how do you defend the faith? you got to remember God's Word. And that word, remember, it means to remain. It really means to recall information from memory. So the Word of God should be memorized. We have the Word of God 
at our fingertips. Jude and the church back then did not have it that way. They had to have it up here. Because here's the thing. We currently belong to another kingdom, but we still live in Babylon. It's a spiritual Babylon. And what's Babylon built on? Lies. And the biggest lie is this. You don't need God, and the truth is subjective. You have your truth, I have my truth. See, Babylon doesn't want you to remember God's word. They want you to remember lies and hear lies and fill your mind with lies and half-truths. Let me tell you, truth is only truth if it's always true. There's no half-truth. It's either true or not. Truth never changes. Something is either true or it's not. Half-truths are full lies. Jesus said this, sanctify them in the truth. What's the truth? Read it. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. And what does God's word say? You are God's beloved. You are sanctified by truth. You don't have to believe lies anymore. You're awake in the spirit. The Spirit has woken you up. You now can hear and believe and understand truth. That's a gift from God. We're not under that lying spell anymore. We have to remember the Word of God. The great Chinese preacher, Watchman Nee, used to read through the New Testament once a month. The Chinese church, they had a saying, no Bible, no breakfast. You got to fill your mind with truth. And here's some more truth that you need to know. Turn to Jude, starting in uh, verse 17. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So remember, the word of God is here in the Bible, but it was handed down by the apostles. And then he goes on, that they were telling you, In the last time, and the Greek word in the eschatos, in the last days, there will be mockers following after their own godly lust. So they're not in it for God, they're in it for themselves. But you, beloved, don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. In verse 19, these are the ones who cause division, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. So they are naturally minded. They are not spiritually minded because they don't have the Spirit. They're without the Spirit. If someone doesn't have the Spirit of God, they're not a believer. They're not a Christian, according to what the Bible says. So beloved people here, it says, they don't cause division by teaching false doctrine. They're spiritually minded because they have the Spirit. And I can guarantee you this. If you don't remember the word, you will become a member of the false teacher club. Because instead of defending and passing down the faith according to the apostles and scripture, you're making it up. You're filling people with lies, half-truths. You know, the devil was good at that. We looked at Eve and said, did God really say this? No, he didn't say that. You used some of his words and twisted it around. That's the culture we live in. That's the world we live in. And if you don't remember God's word, 
you will become a member of the false teacher club. And sadly, sadly, many are inhabiting the pulpits of churches and they're taking many with them to destruction. But you're beloved. You're beloved in Christ. So what's the next thing? But you, beloved, ought to build yourself up. You got to build yourself up in the faith. Look what Jude writes. But you, beloved, as you build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now here, I have to talk about this because there's a theological tension, you know, where you try to figure out how much is my part, how much is God's part, right? How much is up to me? How much is up to God? Well, here's a perfect example in Philippians. Paul writes this. Again, he says, My beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So that's our part. We've got to work out our salvation. But here's the key. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you got to work out your salvation, meaning you got to do your part. You have to exercise your faith. You have to believe God and trust God. But ultimately, it is God who works in you to accomplish his purpose for your life. That's the key to freedom. Can you imagine if it was only up to us? And then like, God's my co-pilot. Remember that one? No. Move seats. Give him the wheel. You know, quit trying to drive the car. Give it up to the Lord. But you got to do your part. But thank God it's not up to me, not up to you. It's not up to us. So how do you reconcile that? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. So he gives you the power to work out your salvation. You're not going to work out yourself. The Holy Spirit will give you the power, but you have to wake up and do your part. But in essence, it's always God. It's always God. It's always about God. But you have to choose to trust Him. You have to choose to walk in the Spirit and not in your flesh. So Jude tells the church to build yourself up in that holy faith, which is the faith that was handed down to us, and it's in the Bible. You know, in the 80s, I was a musician, but we had a slow spell. The economy went south. And so, believe it or not, I took up work in construction. It was actually deconstruction because we were hired to demolish some old homes in Riverside. I was not comfortable. I'm much more of a builder than a demolisher, but I needed a job. So I learned some things that are very important from that experience. Every house that was demolished, had some grave deficiencies. Many were infested with asbestos. Almost all of them had crumbling foundations and the houses were falling apart because the foundation of anything is the most important piece of the structure. A high rise can only withstand its height by the strength of its foundation. It's the same with the Christian. If you're not built up in the most holy faith, meaning the Word of God, you're going to fall apart. How do you build yourself up? You work out your salvation, and you remember and employ the Word of God into your life. And then he goes on, pray in the Holy Spirit. 
So you let the Spirit lead the building process. He's the general contractor. He's the one getting everything worked out. But you just show up and you trust God and you submit to Him and to His Word. There's no better builder than God, right? Would you agree with me? He builds a solid foundation by His Word. He not only just lets us go out and build on our own, He comes into our life by the Holy Spirit. And then we see the Word and the Spirit working hand in hand. Just like the Word Jesus and God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, worked hand in hand during Jesus' life. So here's what I want you to understand. Jesus, yes, he came to live a life, a perfect life of obedience, go to the cross, die in my place for our sins. But there's more to this. We're to learn from Jesus' example. We're to look at his life. If you want to know how to build yourself up in the faith, look to Jesus. He's our greatest example. Next, but you, beloved, ought to keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love. Now, here's again something that has that theological tension I'm talking about. Jude writes, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. We have to learn to wait. If there's one thing that this last year has taught me is a deeper understanding of waiting on the Lord, right? Sometimes when things are going good, you just think, oh, this, all these doors are opening up and then everything shuts down. But God didn't shut down. He's still working in you. But he's teaching us how to wait, how to pray. And that word keep yourselves really could mean to place yourself. So you place yourself in the love of God. He's not saying to us here that it's our responsibility to keep ourselves in his love. That would be a frightening prospect. We place ourselves in his love. We live in his love. We are his beloved. We believe, we remember, we experience the love of God that he has for us. He doesn't call you beloved for no reason. And while you're living in his love, you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have his mercy now, right? But there's a greater mercy that we will see when we see him face to face. That's another theological tension called the already, not yet of the believer's life, because we have received every blessing and inheritance in Christ, including eternal life. But we're not experiencing that in our time yet, in its fullness. We experience it partially, the Bible says. We see it dimly. But one day we see Jesus face to face, and it's the culmination of our raised body with him. So that's the waiting that he's talking about. See, if this is all there is, I'd be bummed. If this was it, I'd just pack up. This is not it. There's so much more. One day, when you see Jesus face to face, at that moment, you will see things for how they truly are. Think about what God did. Our world, compared to other planets, is minuscule. Compared to the sun, it's like this. But God made it just right. Just right. People who think that everything just appeared just right, is that how you build things? Is that how you build a house? You just like throw the wood out there and it just like, oh, it just goes itself. No, God did it. He put it together just right. And he put you together just right. 
So here we see Jude, he's saying, in contrast to those ungodly ones who are awaiting judgment, you are beloved and you await mercy. Next, but you, beloved, ought to save people. Got to save people. Now, the list of things here that Jude is talking about as a beloved in Christ continues with this very perplexing verse. If you read it by itself, it might not make sense. And you'd go, how does this happen? But look what he writes. Save others by snatching them from the fire to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. A perfect example of a verse that's often taken out of context. Context helps bring meaning, right? That's why we read the whole letter. You know, you just don't pull stuff out like a sentence here and there of a letter. You don't know what the context is. So is Jude telling the church that we have the power to save people from hell? No. In order to understand the context, let's jump back one verse. Jude writes, Have mercy on some who are doubting. He's exhorting the church to watch out for those in the church who are doubting God's mercy. Why are they doubting God's mercy? Because they're being taught false doctrine. And so therefore, the next verse makes more sense. He says, have mercy on those who are doubting. Save them by snatching them out of the fire. What's the fire? The false teaching that's going to destroy their faith. See. This church was full of believers who were doubting God's mercy because the false teachers were filling their minds with lies and half-truths. They were probably basing their whole theology on legalism. But Jude is saying, to those who get it, to those who are not going to fall into that, because you're in tune, you're listening, going, something's not right, because you heard what the apostles said, and this is not jiving with that. He says, you need to step up and be a leader, and help others who might be falling away. These people are susceptible to false teaching. And sadly, again, I see this in the church today, where people are falling into this fire of false teaching. We need to bring it back to the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just some fake or made-up gospel. And quit taking verses out of context and saying, that's what it means. No, go back to the context. I mean, if you wrote a letter, would you want somebody to just pull a sentence out? That's what they do on Twitter, right? They quote some sentence totally out of context. The other day, I got a letter, and it was a handwritten address. I'm like, wow, who does that anymore? I opened it up, and it was a handwritten letter to me, inviting me to some church event. I pull out the beautiful, well-made flyer, and I look through it, and I'm going, something's not right about this. And sure enough, in the back, it says, for more information, visit jw.org, Jehovah's Witness. Someone spent the time to write me a hand letter inviting me to a cult. Most people would go, no, that's Jehovah's Witness. But not necessarily, because they're not getting the teaching, the proper teaching of the Word. And they fall for the lies. So you've got to help other people. You've got to save them by snatching them from the fire. Do you know people, you probably do, who are on the verge or have fallen away? And fire means judgment. Jude wasn't saying that these susceptible believers were in the fire. Notice he didn't say they were in the fire. 
He was saying, save them before they fall into the fire of God's judgment by following a believing false prophets and false teachers. This is so important to understand, especially today for many reasons, because there are false teachers and false prophets in our midst. They're not employing, they're not remembering God's word. They're just teaching false teaching. And we got to be able to ward them off, understand that it's false, and protect others from being consumed by this false teaching, which leads them into a fire. This means that it is not only up to the leaders. Now get this. Jude's letter didn't say to the leaders, because a lot of those leaders in that church were messed up. He's saying, hey, you, if you get it, save the people. So it's not just up to me. It's not just up to the pastor. It's not just up to the elder. It's not just up to the ministry leader. It's up to you. Everyone, every believer has a responsibility to protect the word of God and snatch people out from being thrown into a fire of false teaching. I'm amazed at what I'm hearing from pulpits. It sounds a lot like Babylon to me, not the Bible. He goes on, To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the corrupted flesh. So in other words, you don't hit them over the head. Don't hit them over the head with the Bible. No, you speak the truth with love. You bring them along. You speak the truth. You don't hold back from the truth. You don't say half truth. You don't mince words. But you do it from a heart of love and mercy. And you do it while walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh. You're merciful like Jesus Christ would be to those who were honestly repentant and willing to listen. Now, here's a couple verses in the Bible that I believe explain how to do this the best. In Galatians 6, Paul writes, Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, mature, should restore that person with a gentle spirit, but you got to watch out so that you won't fall into that temptation. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So you mix your mercy with fear, meaning that you respect God and you realize that I could easily fall into this sin. You have to have the protection of the word of God. But he goes on and he says, you got to hate even the clothes that are stained by corrupted flesh. Because here's the thing, and a lot of people get this wrong. Mercy and love does not mean acceptance. Loving someone doesn't mean you should love their sin. You shouldn't love your own sin. Any sin is stained clothes and corrupted flesh. So we have to remember God's word and his mercy. Remember, Babylon exists to lie to you and take you down in a fire. Babylon will say this, loving someone means that you have to accept their sin. And not only accept their sin, you got to condone it and promote it. And like say, it's cool. You know, it's their truth. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not showing love. That's not showing mercy. You know what that is? It's unloving. It's unmerciful. Because love speaks truth, not half-truths. Not lies, not made-up doctrine, the doctrine according to the apostles, according to God's word. You're not saving some from hell by loving their corrupted flesh. So throughout the letter, 
Jude exhorts the church to avoid the false teachers because God will deal with them. That's an interesting thing in this letter. Jude is not saying, go talk to the false teachers. Why? Because he knows that they will persuade you and lie to you enough to the point where they could pull you into their fire. But what he does say is avoid them, but go to the ones who are on the verge of falling into their fire. Save them. Snatch them out of it. But don't love their corrupted flesh. Don't love their sin. Because see, the false teachers, as Jude says, are marked out for condemnation. Sadly, some people are so hard-hearted and unrepentant that God can't get through. Remember, God is love, and God so loved the world, but in order to receive that love, someone needs to humble themselves and admit that I'm wrong, and you're right, God. Otherwise, you're like the Pharisees who Jesus spoke of. They didn't get it, and they read Scripture. They had the Old Testament memorized, but they missed Messiah. So don't get swept up in the fire, and don't get swept up in someone else's fire, okay? Have wisdom. Have discernment. Go to the Word of God. Go to your pastor. Go to another believer. You have questions. Don't just start believing things just because someone's saying it. Test the Spirit, the Bible says. Test it against the Word of God. Finally, if you're God's beloved, you will give glory to God. It's all about Him. And Jude ends this letter with an incredible doxology, which is a praise. He says, now to him, to who? Him, who is able to keep you out of the fire. See, that's awesome. God is able to keep you out of the fire. He always provides a way out. And to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, because you are beloved in Christ, to the only God, our Savior, Through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. That's how you end the letter. You point to Christ. You point to Him. You remember who He is, and you remember who you are in Him. But here's the thing. You got to give Him the glory. You got to give Him the praise the one who made everything just right, the one who made a way for you to get out of the fire of hell and into the grace of God, who transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to become a citizen of the kingdom of light. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have called us beloved, that we don't deserve it. We are corrupted flesh and sinners, but in Christ, we have new clothes We have new skin. We have a new body as we await the redemption in its fullness. Keep us close to you. Help us to not be swayed by false teachers, false doctrines. Turn our ears off from the lies of Babylon and onto the truth of the Bible. For it's all about you. We give you praise and glory, dominion and authority now and forever and ever. Amen. Pastor David Bardowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. 
For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make